This is our fifth and final week in a series we've been in called This is My Church, This is My City. We've been looking at a vision statement that I believe God has given to us to help us see what's just down the road for us as individuals in a church. It's in your outline there. Let's look at it again together. We see hundreds of connection communities of Christ-like disciples united in prayer, intentionally reaching the world for Christ out of the fresh overflow of the Holy Spirit. As we read Luke 5, 27 through 32, would you stand with me as you hear the word of the Lord? Uh, Let's stand and take in God's word together. Luke chapter 5, I'll be reading verse 27 through 32. After this, Jesus went out and saw a tax collector by the name of Levi sitting at his tax booth. Follow me, Jesus said to him. And Levi got up, left everything, and followed him. Then Levi held a great banquet for Jesus at his house. And a large crowd of tax collectors and others were eating with them. But the Pharisees and the teachers of the law who belonged to their sect complained to the disciples, Why do you eat and drink with tax collectors and sinners? And Jesus answered them, It is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this, your word, and we receive not only this scripture today, but we receive what you want to do with it in our hearts today. Lord, we confess now, we don't want to just hear your word, we want to be doers of your word as well. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. The author of this first book of the New Testament, Matthew, or as he's called here, Levi, was a tax collector before he met Christ. And we'll discover today that There is lots for us in this verse, and I want to pull some highlights from this verse that will talk to us about what it means to intentionally reach our world for Jesus. If you're taking notes, the first highlight that I want to take from this passage is that Jesus handpicked Matthew. He handpicked Matthew and personally challenged him to follow him. Now, Levi, or as we call Matthew sometimes, he wasn't just randomly selected. God sent Jesus, and Jesus handpicked Matthew, handpicked Levi. As we move on through this uh, teaching time this morning, that's going to be important to us because when we look at what God is calling us to do, sometimes we argue and say, God, do you know who I am? Do you know what I'm good at? Do you know that I'm not good at certain things? He handpicks every one of his disciples, and he called him. You see, Matthew left everything to follow Jesus. Many have observed that possibly Levi, Matthew here, could have paid the highest financial price of any of the disciples, leaving all of his wealth, all of the things that came with being a tax collector, and he left it to follow Jesus. Now, apparently, the Holy Spirit had been prompting him. He had heard of Jesus before, because when Jesus calls Levi and says, come follow me, he doesn't say, who are you? He didn't say, go where? Do what? So there had been some prompting by the Spirit in his life, but ultimately when Jesus asks, Levi goes and follows. Let's look at the second highlight here. The Pharisees, they are not very excited about Levi's response. It says that, that Levi, or Matthew, has this banquet, this party for Jesus 
invites all of his friends to come be with Jesus. And they were less than thrilled about this. Levi had seen something in Jesus and was so captivated that he left everything and said, I want to get everybody that I know to rub shoulders with Jesus. Maybe they can get the same hope that I'm getting from Jesus. Maybe if they're around the disciples, they can be compelled to to follow Jesus as well. And, And so he throws this banquet or this party. But these Pharisees, these religious leaders, have a major problem with this evangelistic party that Matthew throws. Their primary objection is the guest list. They don't feel comfortable with the fact that Jesus, a teacher, is rubbing shoulders with these irreligious, riffraff type of people. In fact, the attitude of the Pharisees tell us a lot about the heart of the Pharisees. Tell us where their heart is. They are cold. They are closed to what breaks God's heart in lost people. Just like last uh, session in this series, we saw how Jonah was not broken for lost people. The Pharisees are not broken for these tax collectors. In, in Levi's attitude, we see a lot about him because he is so willing to do anything he can to get people to Jesus, and these Pharisees don't want anything to do with it. And they are so concerned about themselves that they don't want to reach anybody else. Another highlight I want us to see is how Jesus answers. Look at the third one here. Jesus' response to the Pharisees' concerns, he, he, he does this by comparing himself to a doctor. In essence, he says, who, who needs a doctor, the healthy or the sick? If you're a doctor and you say, I don't want anybody who is sick to ever be around me, that's a surefire way to get rid of your practice. I mean, you go into medicine to help people who aren't feeling well, who are sick. And, and Jesus says, I have come for those not who are righteous, but for those who are sinners to lead them to repentance. Now, Jesus is not saying that the Pharisees are above a need of him. He's not saying that these religious people have no sin in their life, but he's basically saying, I've come to focus my attention on those who will openly admit how much they need forgiveness. The irony is these Pharisees need the same forgiveness, need the same gift that Jesus gives, but they don't want anybody else to have it because they are those people. They are those immoral, irreverent, irreligious, riffraff. The central thrust of this passage is just like what Jesus gives in Luke 15. We begin to see the parables that Jesus gives of of the lost sheep and the lost coin and, and the wayward son. And in each of those three parables, something was lost and it had great value to someone. The sheep was very valuable to the shepherd. The coin was very valuable to the woman. And the wayward son was so valuable to the father. And it leads us to the central truth of what Jesus is saying is that lost people really matter to God. And when you get close to Jesus, they matter to you. When Levi answered the call, the first thing he does is says, Everybody, come meet the Jesus who I'm giving up everything to follow. Now here, Matthew, a rookie Christian, he had just followed Christ. His first act out of the gate is to invite people to Jesus. He takes the risk. He is willing to take the ridicule. He is he's taking heat from everybody who should know more about religious things. And he says, I don't care. I want my friends to get to Jesus. The Pharisees have become so obsessed with impressing themselves and others with their own righteousness that their hearts have become so cold and calloused to lost people. 
They had reduced their faith to self-improvement contests with one another. They were so proud of how much better they were than anybody else. When they would worship, it was all about how good they were instead of how good God is. Matthew 9.13, Jesus digs a little bit on them when he says, Look, you teachers, go and learn. Become students of the Old Testament book of Hosea, where the prophet says on God's behalf, I desire compassion, not just sacrifice. He's saying, you guys are missing the point. You're so excited about keeping all these rules and keeping the commands of the kingdom, and as important as those commands are, there's more to living a life of following God, more to living a life of following Jesus, than to just keep commands. Those are important. But somewhere along the line, we should pick up the attitude of Christ, the attitude of the Father as well. I share all that to say, Friend, do you understand what Jesus is calling us to, each and every one of us as Christians? It's easy for us to fall into this perfectionist trap that we feel like we're growing in our faith and we measure our spiritual maturity by how much we, we know, how much we serve, and how many church events we attend, and how many sermons we listen to, or how many sermons we preach. And while there's merit in some of those, Jesus is calling out to us just as he did then. Be careful. All these are good things. But don't get so wrapped up in doing that you miss the compassion and loving side of following me as well. Be careful that you can have the attitude that I have to the people who you are called to reach. And jot this down. The longer you and I walk with Christ, the softer our heart should become towards spiritually wayward people. The longer that you're a Christian, the longer that you know God, your heart should be softer and softer and softer for those who are irreligious, those who are corrupt, those who are immoral, those who are willfully disobeying God. It it, it baffles me, people who have been around the things of God for a long time, and it's like they hate anybody who doesn't agree with them. Now hear me, I'm not saying we, we go for relative truth and everybody's up for their own vote on what's true or what's not true and we shouldn't speak out. No. We should speak the truth. And sometimes when we speak the truth, we, we always speak it in love, but sometimes it's tender and sometimes it's tough. But, but I have to ask, do we have any compassion? Is there any part of us that has a love for somebody who is yet to find God? The, the longer we are with Him, the more we grow in Him, the more our heart should be soft. According to what Jesus is saying here, if a Christian is growing properly, he or she will continue to grow in compassion for those who are lost. So my question this morning is, are we as a church growing properly here at Grace Point? And there's many of us who are growing in knowledge Growing in our worship, growing in our character, growing in our serving, growing in our giving. And those are necessary and good things. But are we growing in compassion for those who are far from God? Are we aching a little bit more today than we did yesterday for that family member who doesn't know Jesus? Is there anything that keeps us up at night for what we hear on the news? Not because we're so mad at the world, but does our heart break to say, could I... Get them to Jesus. Could I invite them to be around those who love Jesus? The hope that I found, I want them to have the same hope as well. Are we willing to crawl out of our comfort zone like Levi did? Are we willing to take a risk? Are we willing to even be ridiculed so that we can share Jesus with someone else? 
We talk about taking persecution and ridicule from the world for what we believe. But are you willing to take a risk and, and be ridiculed even maybe by those who are so religious that they, they're so impressed with themselves that they don't really want you hanging around that kind of a person? Jesus is giving a wake-up call to us through this text today saying, I'm calling you to go to them to turn their eyes from darkness to light, helping them obey what it is I have called you to live in. Is it possible that we are so caught up in church things that we have become isolated, cut off from anybody who does not know Jesus? Our whole lives revolving around this building and the things that we do in here that that we don't really even know anybody who doesn't know Jesus. If, If that's true, friends, there's trouble ahead. First, there's trouble for us. There's no greater litmus test or gauge to how I'm personally doing spiritually than when I look, when is the last time that I shared Jesus with somebody? The last time I got into a dialogue or a discussion where where I'm helping someone understand that it's not a blind faith. There's evidence for Jesus that he is who he said he was and and he has done what he has said he has done and and he's made a difference in my life. And, And when you get in those kind of discussions and they begin to cross the line and ask the questions, is this really true. There's something that happens in us. And if if we aren't willing to share Jesus with people like that, we're in trouble. We're missing a great growth engine in us personally. But it's not just us who is in trouble. Friend, if, if we don't share Jesus with them, they are in trouble. Eternity is at stake. Some of us have such a thick layer of dust over our soul. It's inches deep that sometimes we say, I just can't get this spiritual dust off of me. What you need is to strike up a conversation with somebody who doesn't profess to know Jesus and begin to allow the light of Jesus that's in you to shine on them and watch what it does to rekindle the fire of your own faith. If we don't share, we are in trouble and they are in trouble. The kingdom is in trouble as well. I don't know why God has chosen to allow us to be the mouthpiece that he uses. But he has. And that person in your circle of influence, you may be the only high-integrity Christian that they'll ever meet. You may be the only biblically-based Christian that they have contact with. You can be the Jesus with skin on for them if you are willing to intentionally reach them for Christ. Jot this down. Without a proper balance of contact with believers and unbelievers, it's only a matter of time until our hearts start growing cold towards people outside of God's family. It's just a matter of time. If, if we are not willing to have the proper balance between who we know that knows Jesus and, and who we know that doesn't know Jesus, you isolate yourself, you cut yourself off, it's just a matter of time until you get cold, prickly, calloused, upset, and bored to death with the concept of people who are far from God. What is the temperature of your heart this morning? Is it warmed for those who don't know Jesus, or is it cold? With the next few minutes together this morning, I want us to look at not just the, the convincing nature of this passage that we should reach people, but this isn't rocket science. Sometimes we make giving the reason for the hope we have in Jesus uh, or intentionally reaching someone for Christ, 
to be something so complicated. And we try to memorize all these strategies and we try to come up with all these proofs of logic that we can argue our way. And, and hey, there's a place for apologetics. We don't have a blind faith. It's an intelligent faith. And if that's the way your brain works, then by all means do that. But, but that's not what it takes. In fact, what is my logic to win anybody to Jesus? It is the very Spirit of God that woos people to Him. And so it's just the obedience that God needs. Here at Levi, just a few seconds old of a Christian by answering the call of Jesus instantly has something to say to all of his friends about who Jesus is. Don't let anyone tell you, well, you haven't been a Christian long enough to share your faith. Don't let anyone tell you, you haven't experienced enough of life to share your faith. The question is, have you experienced any part of Jesus? And if so, you have something to share. And so here's some thoughts for us this morning on how to build intentional relationships with others. Now, when you hear this, it's, it's not like profound. You'll be like, duh. I mean, like, should I even fill the blank in? It's just so obvious. Yes, is the answer. Fill it in. You should start building relationships. I need to start building relationships with people that we know. This is hard. Stick with me. People you know. Start there. If you don't know their name, don't start there. If you've never seen them before, don't start there. These are people that you already know. And sometimes we say, well, I'm so busy. I I can't, you know, carve out all this extra time to do something new and, and to come up with all these. Hey, invite them in to the activities you're already involved in. I'm a product of a Christian doing that in their family. My dad was a first-generation Christian. His father did not know Jesus. He was an alcoholic. Uh, He accepted Christ uh, uh, just a year or so before he he died. Uh, My grandmother didn't know Jesus uh, at the time of my dad growing up. And and his uncle, who had ten children of their own, took it upon themselves that every time the apples were going to go to church, they'd go get that nephew of theirs, Lenny, and and they were going to invite him to go to church as well. And the way I hear the story, I guess seatbelts weren't as important or nobody cared or I don't know. They packed ten kids plus my dad in the back of a pickup truck, and they all had lawn chairs that they're sitting on. I'm sure it was very safe. And they would make their way to church, and they'd go to Sunday school. And whenever they would go to church, they just said, hey, hey, we need to invite our nephew over. In fact, after church on Sunday night, they would be putting the kids to bed and they'd gather around the bed and they would pray together and they wouldn't take my dad home until he prayed with them at night. They invited him into the activities they already did. They were already going to church. They were already praying with their kids before they went to bed and they made time to intentionally reach out to somebody they knew in their family. And as a result, my dad comes to know the Lord. And he wins his mom, and later, decades later, his dad to the Lord, and his family is serving the Lord. There's somebody in your circle of influence that you know that eternity is weighing in the balance. What can I do? You can be a link to a life-changing experience with Jesus. Take interest in what it is they're doing. What if they don't respond to me? What if I don't know what to say? Hey, I found out. This is a cool trick. Even if people don't like themselves, Most people love talking about themselves. Try it. Talk to somebody you know and just ask them, Hey, I was just kind of wondering, where's your favorite place to eat? They will have an answer. Just ask them, Hey, tell me, 
what would be your, your favorite vacation if you could ever take one? I don't take vacations. I work all the time. Well, okay. They'll talk to you about how I like to work all the time. But, but get involved in what they are already doing. And take interest in that. Maybe even have intentional plans to lead people to Jesus. Second group of people. People that you used to know. I told you this is like deep stuff. People you know. People you used to know. All of us have relationships with people that, that time or circumstances we have grown apart. We don't talk to them as much anymore. Rekindle that friendship. Rekindle that relationship. Renew old friendships. Look for somebody around you that, that you used to have this kind of impact on, but, but maybe you could resurrect this. Could it be that the list of people in your friends list on Facebook or the followers that you have on Twitter could be a pool of people waiting to be impacted by you and the message of Jesus Christ if you would just try to rekindle some of those friendships. You say, well, well Brady, it didn't end really well when we talked last time. Or this is my favorite excuse. They're my friend before I knew Jesus. They will not even recognize me now. I was such a bad person. All the better. If they know the old you, let them get to know the new you. Well, they'll think I'm a hypocrite. They'll think that you're saved. They'll think that you're set free. Well, well, Brady, this person that I used to know, we kind of had a falling out. You make it right. You take it for Jesus. You you. Bring repentance to the situation and watch what God wants to do. Mend the friendships that you used to have. A third group of people, this is tough, ready? The people you know, the people that you used to know, and now the people that you would like to know. Now some of us, we need to be convinced that there's anybody else in this world that we want to know. Some of us say, well, I I know everybody I want to know. I don't want to know anybody else. If you're around Jesus, pretty soon your heart will begin to beat for the things that his heart beats for. And he wants us to impact people for Jesus. Could you begin to look at the places that you go? Could you begin to see people there? And and maybe you would even start going where people are at. Maybe you intentionally do business somewhere. Strategic consumerism. Maybe you're not looking for the best deal or the cheapest price or the best service. Maybe it's the best kingdom deal. Maybe there's somebody you could get to know there. But begin to look. Now, I warn you, do not try this if you're not serious about following through on the gospel commission. Don't. Don't say, well, I'm going to start looking for someone to share Jesus with because he will send them to you. It's not a question if God will give us a divine appointment. It's a question, do we really want to take a risk? Do we really want to speak up? Do we really want to invite them into our life? Friends, when there's that river of life flowing out of us, when we are united in a call to hear God and to obey God together, when we are caring and learning and serving together, and we are being more and more like Christ, something should cause us to get out of this room, to get out of the circles we find ourselves in over and over and intentionally build a relationship with somebody like Levi did, a a Levi or a Matthew party, to bring people to Jesus. Well, how do I do that? Don't try to come up with a strategy. I would even encourage you, I love reading books. Don't go read 15 books how to do this. Just 
Let the Holy Spirit lead you. And jot that down. When we are beginning to see key points in building intentional relationships, let the Holy Spirit lead you. It's not by your strength that they will come to know Christ. It's by the very Spirit of God that will woo them. So let Him speak to you. And I like what Bill Heibel says in, in his book, Contagious Christian. He says, barbecue first. Now, if you don't like barbecue, that's not the point. But his, his point is, don't just tell them about Jesus and ditch them. A couple months ago, I was reading a quote by an atheist who said, it's not the brash presentation of their faith that I can't stand about Christians. It's how fast they seem to leave as soon as they say the last scripture. When I read that, it broke my heart. Could it be that there's people in our circle of influence that don't receive Christ, not because they, they are rejecting the message, but they're so confused by why we just ditch them as soon as we're done with our spiel? Would we, would we actually invite them to our house? Would we barbecue with them? Would we hang out with them? Would we begin to build a relationship with them? Now, I don't mean you have to go to coffee 793 times before you share Jesus. No. But if all you want to do is spit out the Romans road and leave, then no wonder they say, is there any truth to that? What if your friend says, I don't believe any of that stuff. Would you still want to hang out with them the next week? Build a relationship. And then finally, bring up Jesus early on. Mention spiritual matters early. Don't do this like hidden agenda thing where I, you know, I hope they don't know I'm a Christian. And then, you know, after four years of getting coffee together, I may bring up Jesus someday. This is a bad idea. Because if there's Jesus in you, it's going to get out. Be who you are. Bring up the things that are important to you early on. My fear this morning with my ducks in a row personality and I think and dream in bullet point form, my fear is that we will mistake and think that this is some kind of formula that we do. Friends, Jesus called Levi. Levi said, come meet Jesus. That's the formula. Jesus handpicks you and wants you to invite the circles of influence in your life to him. Two weeks ago, we ended by Listing three, four, five people, to the best of our knowledge, they don't know Jesus. Or we were challenged to. I want you to let your mind go right now to people you know, people you used to know, or if that's a blank and a blank. Who are people that you would hope to know? And let's pray and ask God. To not let us treat the scripture like I believe most of the Western church does where we go, oh, that was cute. But that's for somebody else to do. Either we are to go and make disciples or not. If we love keeping the Ten Commandments, but we don't love following the mission, it may not be a Christian that we could call ourselves. It may be a Pharisee. But the heart of Levi was changed, and Jesus said, I want to use his desire for this party to bring people to me. Heavenly Father, I confess my brain is jumbled today, and I ask that you will take a mass of words that I've shared with my friends, and you'll begin to make sense out of it for them today. Strip away anything that's not helpful But God, I ask your word 
to take root in our heart. The great price that Levi gave up everything to follow you, he got the better end of the deal. He wasn't shortchanged. His response immediately, come meet this Jesus with me. Father, I confess today, we repent today, that we love meeting together and there is strength when iron sharpens iron. But you've called us to not just huddle, you've called us to go out and conquer as well. And so God, just like you did for Jonah, you sent a worm to eat away at our comfort. And just like you taught us through John's gospel that you give us a river of life, that it should not only fill us and satisfy us, but it should come gushing out towards others around us. Would you remind us right now how this verse started? You hand-picked Levi. There's not a man, a woman, a boy, or a girl in this room who you are worried if they can obey. You have created them, called them to reach out to the circle of influence around them for you. We thank you, Jesus, for the prompting and the strength you're going to give us. It's in your name we ask these things. Amen and amen. Before you take off, I often encourage you to read through the scripture this afternoon and meditate on it. Today I want to ask you, do not read this scripture again today. Just go do it. Oh, I guess if you want to read it because you forgot, that's fine. But maybe we could stop reading about it. Maybe even stop praying about it for a minute to say, Jesus, I'm going to start obeying. So somebody here today, like before lunch, you need to send a text. You need to send an email. You need to make a phone call and just say, God, I want to, I want to try to rekindle that friendship. Is there a nephew? Is there a sibling? Is there a parent? Is there somebody in your extended family that you could be the link, not only for them coming to know Christ, but it may affect generations to come? You're free to go, but I challenge you to go in obedience. Don't delay. Know that somebody is going to be hacked off that you're doing this. In your breath, not out loud, under your breath, just say, oh, the Pharisees are after me. Now, don't say it out loud. That'll cause big problems and it'll be a big thing. But just know that when the enemy's fighting against, you are moving in areas where God can bless you. May God bless you. You're dismissed. Go love on somebody in Jesus' name.